I wish I'd known then what I know now. I wish I could have told myself. Protecting people means that you've got to make their well-being more important than your own. Hey! Hey, you there! Hold on. He's not involved in this. But the kind of protection I provided meant something else as well. Protecting the kind of people I was working for also meant never betraying them. Never. Welcome to Tuning Japanese, a podcast where three dudes in their 30s talk about anime. And he'd like to be doing something more interesting than filing documents all day. He's Andy. <laughs> you picked the perfect one for me. <laughs> God damn, I would. He's all thumbs today. He's Josh. Yeah, yeah, that makes that sense. At least they, they work. His hands look horrific. What about it's his all face? Thumbs. Oh yeah, <laughs> the, the, his face is all thumbs. Oh, you see those ones sticking out where his nipples should be? <laughs> oh, wait, those are just actually his nipples. Never mind. <laughs> oh, God. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I flashed them. And if I'm going to die, I might as well feel a little better, right? I'm Bill. <laughs> as he takes another swig from his bottle. Context is good. Uh, hey, guys. Hi. What's up? We're here for another episode of Tuning Japanese. Guys, it's another twofer! We're doing another twofer episode because these episodes, while things happen, I don't think we could talk very long about them, so... <laughs> we can't go into, yeah, not a hugely deep analysis, but... But we've got chapter... A chapter? We've got episode seven today, uh, which is five mm -hmm. years later. No, this name of it, not five. Anyway, and episode eight, which is entitled Family... And it's a Josh and me episode. Sorry, Bill. That's cool. I'm just going to stare at my whiskey. <laughs> Finally, in a tag team match together, the dream match that we've been waiting for. Uh, wait, I'm, I'm thinking wrestling again. Sorry, sorry. Well, I'm sure we'll get there at some point. We always talk about wrestling. Hey, but speaking of talking about things not related to anime, it's time for our first segment, which is our nerd news segment. And uh, I had literally have nothing this week, so I'm just going to defer to you two. Whoa. I have no, I don't have a damn thing. So uh, my life has been grading all the essays and planning all the, the lessons. So I'm not going to talk about that. So I'm going to turn it over to you two. What do you got? Zelina Vega. That's that's what I got right now. Did, you wish. Is she, is, she, is she okay with that? Uh, well, I think my wife would be okay with it. That's fair. <laughs> so Zelina Vega was recently released from the WWE, citing her violation of the new third-party clause which, for those of you that don't know wrestling or ha do know wrestling and are under a rock, uh, the WWE has decided to crack down 
on their workers utilizing third-party uh, platforms such as Twitch, uh, YouTube, anything that isn't under their that they are contracted for, and they're using their wrestler names. They are pretty much told to cease and desist, and if they don't, they'll be let go. Zelina Vega was let go because she has an OnlyFans account for her cosplay, because she's a huge cosplay enthusiast, and she refused to relinquish it. So WWE let her go, which I think is just, well, swell. Not really. I don't think they even have to be using their kayfabe name. I think just the fact they have it. Oh, okay. I thought I thought it was just that they couldn't use their their worker name. Okay, go ahead. I, well, my I'm confused because what like Austin Creed, he's he's got up up down down with all these WWE guys. Is that a WWE sanctioned channel? Is that his own channel? Because that hasn't been taken down. I'm I still see up up down down content all the time on YouTube. Maybe he's turned it over. Yeah, he might have turned that over. Same with Oscar's uh, uh, channel. Um, I don't know if that's still going on or not. Where where it's uh. Uh, her con, but it's under her Kana name. Her, 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 I think that's her legit name, where she was doing all sorts of random stuff too. So I don't know if that's still active. I haven't looked that up. But if Up Up Down Down is on, then he might have cut an agreement with WWE and say, hey, we'll still use this for our content. Yeah, and I can see it being something that it would really push WWE content. Um, you know, it, it does kind of break the idea of kayfabe and such with like the different people he has on that show. Um, you know, between face and heel, but, but it is good promotion, I think for the company. Uh, and right. it was, it is probably the biggest outside thing that WWE has, like, as far as like talent doing something on a third party level. Right. But here's the other thing. They're using the thin veneer of protecting the business. Then that is 40 years too old at this point. Mm -hmm. The business, you can't protect the business anymore. Uh, Dusty Rhodes and uh, who was it that he was caught in the car? And Jim Duggan. Was it that? or No, they both would have been faces. No, no. Oh, oh, it was um, Jim Duggan and and uh, Iron Sheik. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They did that already in the in the 1980s. There's, you're not protecting the business anymore by, by still adhering to that stupid carny code bullshit. About Kate. I don't think it's even about protecting the business. I think it's pure greed. They don't, and control. They don't like yes. people getting over on their own. Just like, look like happened to Zack Ryder. Right, right. Do you want Zack Ryder's? That's how you get Zack Ryder's. <laughs> like we were talking about Rusev. I mean, he didn't even go outside to get, get over. He was just over in the ring. They don't like it when their scripted guy does not get over. Right. Yeah. Well, I agree with that. I, I'm sure they're 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 pissed with Rusev, now known as Miro. Also, the fact that you know he, he posted his engagement on TMZ, pretty much saying "f you" to the WWE about your fucking kayfabe bullshit. You know, we're getting married. And that was maybe not the best uh, move in the world. Probably not. Miro. Um, I'm I'm gonna go by his AEW name now because that's just how it's stuck to me now. Miro is over, and <laughs> he's over in AEW, and he's over as a Twitch streamer. I mean, hell, his gimmick right now, just just in case you guys don't know, he's called the best man. Okay. The best it, man. Yeah. Kind of like, yeah, like he's the best at what he does kind of thing. Right, right. Well, it started as, as he was Kip Sabian's best man for their wedding, but then he's like, I'm the best man at everything. I'm the best at video games. I'm the best at wrestling. I'm the best at social media. It's it, like his, that's like one of his first promos he cut. I'm like, that is awesome. <laughs> But back back to the point of I think Bill Bill has it right though it's it's the greed factor it's the Vince McMahon so out of touch he doesn't want things to go anything beyond how he wants it to go 
to the point where it's like, no, no, I'm not gonna let let my big guys have any uh have it have anything that people can look at that isn't my show because they need to be my big guys. What is frustrating about it more than anything is we are in the middle of a global pandemic to which we they have stopped house shows. So house show revenue that these uh, performers would be getting are no longer coming in. With the drop of house shows, there's probably a steep drop in merchandising, right? And that's a big thing in a way that these the talent in WWE is paid. Uh, right. The fact that they are independent contractors in quotes, right? Because the way they treat them is not like independent contractors. And yet right. telling outside them and demanding what they can and can't do wasn't part of the outside of the company, even though they're independent contractors. But, uh, you know, turning over third yeah, party and stuff, I'm yeah. sure is not written in their contract. It's just a new rule they came up with. Not every one of these people are under a new contract. They're, it's just being told it's a rule. Right. And yet they wonder why their big stars, like big stars like Paige, are crying union unionization again. No, absolutely. This time around, they don't have Hulk Hogan there to stamp it down. Uh, Ventura making a making a statement, and then uh, Hogan smashing it down. No, uh, because things have changed these days. There's a lot more exposure to these people out there. Where I don't think Vince could stop a union. You know, if enough of the know. talent decides to agree to it, I don't think he could. He could put a kibosh to it. He'll try. It's hard, it's hard to say. It's hard to say. And there's a lot of uh, outside factors. I mean, he will. And there's a lot of outside factors. I know uh, former presidential candidate uh, for the Democratic Party, Andrew Yang, has been uh, – he's a big WWE fan and has been on the side of the talent uh, pushing this idea that, like, unionization is the way to go and is the only right way to do to actually do business. I really do think there's possibilities in the future for this talent, but not if Vince has anything to say about it. And unfortunately, Vince has a tight lock on stuff right now. So, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's unfortunate, but um, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll kind of see where it goes. Hopefully, I, I'm not too worried about Zelina Vega as far as her professional. Um, she's got enough prospects ahead of her. Yeah, she yeah. she could probably go. To, I mean, there there are other companies she could go to uh, to work in wrestling. I mean, yeah, you know, the obvious pick would be either AEW or Impact. She could probably, you know, be a big draw on the indie circuit. And she still has her OnlyFans, which is probably giving her enough revenue. I mean, she's, she should be fine, but it's still, it is disheartening to see this because. Well, and, and AEW can't absorb every fire no. WWE worker. No, they no. Just, they and they can't. don't. Yeah, no, no. And, and they, they haven't. I mean, they, they, the, the last acquisitions that they had from WWE were, uh, uh, Luke Harper, Brody Lee, Zack Ryder, Matt Cordona now, and, uh, Rusev. Now Miro, yeah, that's it. You right. know, um, they they have been actually AEW has been been a bigger focus on trying to grow their own talent and like the former WWE guys get a prominent spot, but they're not they're not immediately world champions. They're not immediately main eventing or anything like that. But because right, that's how you end up looking second rate. Right, right, exactly. That that's how T that's how you get TNA. Do you want to get TNA again? <laughs> Lord Almighty. All right. Uh, I think it's about time we move on to uh, another topic, if anyone has anything else to bring sure. up for yeah. Nerd News, uh, before we get into our double review. Uh, well, there has been talk about the Black Panther 2 villains have been Ooh. announced. Oh, okay. As of right now, I think they're supposed I say villains because they're supposed to be multiple villains in the movie. Mm. Okay. The main villain, I believe, will be Namor. Oh, nice! Badass. I'm okay with this. Nice! Oh. Yes, way to introduce Namor in the proper way. Yes, sorry. Um, and then we're also looking at seeing smaller roles from Doctor Doom and also from uh, Baron Zemo and White Wolf. 
which is kind of confusing because they called Bucky the White Wolf. But now the actual character White uh, Wolf is being brought okay. in. So I don't I don't yes. know who that character is actually. I'm he's I'm a, a he's a pretty minor he'd be kinda like kinda like Umbaku where he's he's somebody from within Wakanda that would Oh, okay. Okay. I, I'm gonna be honest, I don't remember his storyline that well. He was I think he was a challenger he's kind of a combination of Killmonger and Umbaku. I think he was like a challenger from the throne who was from mm. a different tribe or something. Okay. Um, okay. Which is weird because wow, the end of the end of that movie is something about the White Wolf and they brought out Bucky. So okay, so you were you were yeah, confused by know. that. Okay. Yeah, because when they first said that, I was like, oh, they're gonna change some stuff up, and then um, then they didn't. Okay. So I, I don't know what's happening. But yes, N- Namor's our main our main villain. So we're gonna bring. Yes. I am t- totally down for that. I like Namor as a character. He is a giant dick. And I love it. <laughs> well, well what I love about about this idea, though, too, is that no, no, he 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 is a giant dick, not has. I mean, he might. I don't know. He. I mean, he does walk around as speedo. Like he, yeah, he looks like he's packing. Yeah, but what I what I like about about this idea here is the that is where he's keeping his lunch. <laughs> <laughs> did uh, who's it? Who's it? Rob Liefeld that always did like the like overly. Muscular. Yeah, that was like, yeah, like, yeah. like did, he, did did Liefeld ever draw him? Because like, you oh, know, I'm, I'm sure, sure if there's a Liefeldian drawing. <laughs> but what I like is the idea of um, Atlantis is supposed to be just as technologically advanced as uh, as Wakanda, right, Bill? Similar, yeah. Yeah. So you got I, I I like that I like that idea where you can have these two competing societies then Atlantis and and Wakanda. Mm-hmm. I think that's beautiful. And then you're, you're hinting at Doom, which I think is a gr- the best way to introduce Doom. Is to put him as an overarching villain as opposed to putting him straight into the eventual fa- Fantastic Four movie. Because why not establish the fact that Doom is one of the biggest players in the Marvel universe? In yeah, make make him the next Thanos. Right. Oh my God. And I'm cool with that. Yes, Cosmic. Cu- oh my God, Cosmic Cube or Time Platform. <gasps> I oh think my the next. God. I think the next Thanos is probably is going to be Kang actually, but. Yeah, I, I I've heard that there was talk that Kang that it the could Conqueror. Be Kang, um, who's Okay, he could be kind of a fun villain to have. The The rumor is the guy that plays the main character in Lovecraft Country is possibly getting um, cast as him, as Kang, is is the rumor mill. But that's it. exciting. I love this. This this is. Um, have they confirmed who's going to be uh, Black Panther? Is it going to be Shuri? I haven't heard anything about that yet. Because that, that makes I sense. I think that's all kept pretty... Close to the chest. Being kept pretty hush hush at the moment, right. so yeah, they're gonna they're gonna wait until a big reveal. Well, right. Yeah, so if anything, probably at, at Comic Con. If anything, they're they're gonna bank off of people's curiosity. Yeah, fair enough. I I I'm still hoping it's Shuri because it would it would make comic book fans a little bit happier because she did take the mantle in the comic books. I think she is definitely one of the strongest choices, and the character in the movies has been so uh, delightful. You know, she she's you know her exactly. her flippancy, her her lightheartedness. She was she was a good counterpoint to the very stern T'Challa, which was great. I like that d- dynamic, but I could see her being a pretty fun character as the Black Panther, being being a smartass and and cracking wise. And I wouldn't not have hated it to turn into sort of a death of Superman thing, where you have multiple fighting Black Panthers, like trying to take you know Umbaku and Shuri and. Bring Killmonger back from the dead. Hell yes, you know, and, and have them all sort of of uh, scrambling to to who be the next Black Panther. I'm I'm, I'm here all for right. it. All right, all right, that'd be interesting. 
I'm excited though uh, to hear that news. No, that, that's that awesome. Found. That's awesome news. Um, yeah. Oh, did you hear? Uh, Wonder Woman is uh, 1984 is going to uh, HBO Max. Yep. Yes, it'll be out. I think on HBO Max and in select theaters still on Christmas. I think they said. I'm gonna have to check and see if I have to do like pay a premium because I have HBO Max, which. If that's the case and I don't have to worry about paying too much for it, I am going to sit down and watch it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the first movie was great, mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. Also, other movies. Um, I've already endured your guys, you guys to it, but uh, uh, another Monster Hunter trailer just dropped. And it's making the movie look more fun than some of the past trailers have. Um, much more. Definitely much a, more. a stronger focus on these trailers, too, of um, Tony Jaa and, and Mila Jovovich and the monsters and... The Palico, the Meowskillers. I'm yeah. all, yeah, yeah. I'm all, I'm all, I'm all for that. I'm all for. It's just going to be a, a big dumb movie of explosions and dragons and Wyverns. giant swords and and I'm okay with it. I'm 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 totally fine with yeah. it. Like I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go out of my way to watch it, but I'm definitely if it if it ever fell into my lap that I have an opportunity to watch it, I would not be like, no, not that movie. Right. Like I would I would yeah. watch it. I'm fine that it exists. I don't really care that it exists, but I'm fine that it right. exists. I mean, and I'm yeah, happy yeah, for you, Josh. Yeah. I'm happy that you, you're getting a movie that's actually looking a little. Yeah, better. I mean, I you know, when I first heard it was coming. I was like, oh my god, this would be terrible. And that was Paul W. S. Anderson. And I'm like, oh god, no. And of course, it's starring Jila Mila Jovovich. I'm like, oh man, god, they're gonna Resident Evil this, and it could still be that bad. But would it be better if it was Wes Anderson doing it? Maybe. Uh... How about Wes Craven? Bring him back to life so he could direct that. <laughs> what about Craven the Hunter? Another I villain I would like to see. We don't know in, what kind of director in, he is. Uh, an MCU movie. <laughs> All right, but but just in in general, um, it's it's looking to be a lot more um fun at the very least. It's yeah. it's going to be dumb, yeah. but it's going to be a fun. Yeah, dumb. it's going to be dumb, and I'm sure we'll find mm-hmm. out more about it once you do once watch I do it. watch it, and we'll talk yeah. about it. Yeah. All right. Great. Okay, I'm done. I'm done. Uh, <laughs> I'm ready to do this. All right, you're not done because you have episode seven, yeah. uh, which is five years later. Uh, so we're going to jump into our reviews of these two episodes of Gungrave. Josh, whenever you are ready, take it away. We open with, holy shit, Brandon just went and took out about a dozen people in less than five minutes. Damn! <laughs> I, mean, I mean, basically, this, this episode just kind of starts. Yeah, with like proto-Gunkata even. I mean, he was he was just swept the room. And after he finishes uh, sweeping the room of all but... He is a sweeper. Yes. He is a sweeper. He is. That's what I yeah, called that. Was, that, was, that was the joke. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really a joke. That's just literally what it says. Did he have a dustpan with him? Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> How do you sweep up all a that magic, blood? A magic dustpan. <laughs> yeah. Oh, magic dustpan. Anime logic. So, you know, Brandon clears out this boardroom of all but one person, um, makes a statement uh, with his gun, and then Harry shows up and says, hey, we're from Millennium. And... <laughs> So we, we cut to Brandon, you know, walking out of the uh, of his crime scene with the cops swarming in. Even one cop trying to stop him when another cop who's uh, three days from retirement stops him and says, no, he's not a part of this. I'm not going to be a cliche. <laughs> nope, just leave it alone. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> but of course, we are treated to Brandon's inner monologue, that chatty bastard. Or he was pretty much lamenting over the fact that all the protecting that he's doing meant that he sacrificed his own happiness, the long and short of it. Yeah, that's basically. 
Well, basically true. Now we get our title card five years later. Yeah. And then we get a five years. And later. then we get what I like to call the mafia montage where it's pretty much focusing on the actions of Brandon, Harry, Bob and Lee. This goes on for a while. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, you were you were commenting on this uh, uh, off uh, off mic, Andy. What, what were your thoughts of this um, this shaky cam montage? Yeah, there's a lot of jazz music, which I normally like. I didn't particularly care for this jazz music. And then there was just a lot of like random shaky shifting between photo to photo to photo. And it was it was just it was kind of annoying. I don't know. Like, I just I didn't you know, I, I, I appreciate when media takes a gamble and tries something different, tries a different aesthetic, tries a different art style, tries a different thing. But when you do that, sometimes it's a swing and a miss, and I feel like this was a swing and a well, miss. Well, they were trying to cram five years into five minutes. It's true. And and without having the typical, let's just back up the exposition dump truck, they they were pretty much implying that, you know, they're they're living these crazy, frantic lives of money and crime and probably sex and drugs and alcohol shady deals and killing and more shady deals and it's a good way to get it across i think without having to tell it but at the same time it's a bit jarring uh it definitely throws off throws everything off but we do find out that these were pretty much like surveillance photos uh that were taken and i i get i get again that like yeah trying to take a chance with something and but yeah i think maybe this was a a for effort and a, a c for execution execution yeah yeah I'll agree. I also, can't. the the sex thing, I don't, I doubt any of that's been thrown Brandon's way. He, that's what feels his oh, undead, yeah. that's what feels his undead rage. <laughs> that he, that he's, yeah, he's got no nut he energy. He never had sex. He <laughs> <laughs> <You laughs> never even kissed a woman. He's all backed up and angry. Good God. <laughs> yeah, all backed up and angry. More on that later. <laughs> yeah, we'll yeah. get there. Yeah, we'll get there. I know Blue balls about beyond that. the grave. <laughs> that's what that was. Uh, one of his that's first, first title, uh, attempts yeah. at a nickname. That was the first. That was the first yeah, was that, that, was rough that uh, Tokioka gave him. But it was like, no, nah, no, nah, never mind. Well, I mean, he's naked in that chair, so Tokioka definitely saw him. He's like, whoa, those are blue. <laughs> <laughs> so we are treated to a clandestine meeting uh, with a, a group of gang members who explain the functions of each of the guys. You know, Brandon's the sweeper. Lee has the uh, the political and business connections. Bob's a uh, information guy and and Harry is pretty much the money man. He knows how to how to manipulate anything that garners him cash essentially. Mm-hmm. These uh, gang members are explaining this to a hired gun by the name of Bunji Kugashira who's voiced by Lex Lang. Bunji Bunji. Yes, and that these are his targets. Bunji is actually very excited over the prospect of taking on such a high-profile uh, target. Now, what I like here is, you know, we're seeing the pictures and they're explaining the person. They get to the picture of Bob, and he's literally posing for the picture. And <laughs> I think that one little snapshot in itself gives us exactly how dangerous Bob really is. Because he's being watched and he knows he's being watched. And he knows it, and he's bla- brazenly doing it, saying, hey, yeah, you can, you can do this, because I already know, like... To me, it's saying, I already know who you are. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it's such a nice little detail that they threw in there that if, you know, the first time I watched it, first couple times I've watched these episodes back in the day, it didn't quite click until much later. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. He's that guy that knows that shit. He, he would know He would know when he's being, being tailed yep. and everything else. Counter-surveillance. Yeah. Right, exactly. So, 
later, we see that Harry is with Randy. Shut the fuck up. Shut up, Randy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Harry has given Randy STFU a uh, famous painting um, as a gift. And he informs him that he has had ten forgeries created and sold to a bunch of rich dummies who have them as hidden hidden assets for tax purposes. So they would never get into trouble, which... Damn, that's smart. So, so they would never check them. You think they tried to sell a painting called the Moaning Lisa? They would catch on. Well, even even goes so far as say hey, I've even got ten uh, letters of uh, authenticity for these guys. So, like, like he really <laughs> kept he really covered his ass on this one here. Yeah, pretty I, much. I just wondered how you got Lisa from Taylor to pose for that. <laughs> nice. nice. So, uh, Randy STFU is impressed by how Harry pulled all that off and the uh, profit, which was about 40 million Yule altogether. He's impressed by this uh, uh, um, at this point that he feels that Harry should be inducted into the family and that there's going to be a function next month where they'll be introduced. And uh, before Harry exits, he even gives Randy a little bit of uh, insider information as far as the stocks go. I think that's illegal. I don't, I don't, I, I, <laughs> that's illegal. Hmm? Yeah. <laughs> He wouldn't do that. Well, oh yeah, no, he would. He would not do anything illegal, like sell ten ten counterfeits of a uh, famous work of art. So here's the question, though: Is Randy's the the genuine article, as Harry says, or is it another one of the forgeries? <laughs> it's probably presented as being the real one, and it is a forger another forgery. <laughs> that would be great. That'd be fantastic. I like it. So we, we cut to Brandon. Um, he's visiting Maria at the mansion. They're having a tea and, you know, kind of discussing the shape of their lives. Uh, Maria is working pretty much seems like as a clerical assistant, uh, doing a lot of filing and, and stuff. She's pretty, pretty dull and doesn't pay much. And we're kind of given the idea that Brandon's cover has shifted to being some sort of higher tier manager at a uh, shipping company. Yeah, I love this scene uh, for a couple of different reasons. Number one, I like the fact that she's like, oh, I don't make a whole lot of money. And, you know, you know that that's that's set up by Big Daddy specifically. So that way she stays with Big Daddy, right? That she has nowhere to go. She doesn't go out on her own. And then uh, I also love how she friend zones the hell out of him when she's like, I always thought we were like siblings and I'm like, really? Like I never got that vibe ever right. from the show, but okay. Right. Like that was a strange thing that was And said. it's like even Brandon's not perturbed by it. Um what I No, it was what weird. I find funny though too is, you know, she jokingly makes the comment of, Well, maybe uh you guys should hire me so that way I can get get a little bit more money. <laughs> and Brandon just fires back Brutal. But a bunch Brutal. Uh with a with a joke of his own saying, Well, I don't want them to go belly up. But here's the question. Does he mean that literally? Like, he doesn't want people to die because she can't kill anyone? Mm. Who's a bad cook? <laughs> yes. No, I, I I thought it was a fun jab. Mm-hmm. I, th- I was like, I was like, damn, giving her like a little sass. Oh, sassy. yeah. I wasn't was, expecting that from Yeah, Brandon. it's great. You know, the, this very, you know, usually laconic character cracking wise and, and really just, just smiling. Holy shit. How often have we seen him smile like that? Very rarely. Yeah. Later in the evening, Harry is in his apartment, marveling at his progress in the last five years. He speaks to Nate, Kenny, and Jolis about how he's almost where he wants to be. Also, is he sleeping with Randy's secretary? It looks like Randy's secretary, does it? I mean, she was all, like, blushing at him when he he left the office, so is he banging the secretary? Uh, Maybe. Or he's just flirting with her. 
Eh, no matter. Harry gets a, a phone call from Bob, who's really excited. He's like, I got some exciting news for you. It's <laughs> not a bad mom. <laughs> Have you seen these KFC double downs? <laughs> oh my god, can you, yeah, can you give me some double chicken when I get there? I'm gonna out-eat the president soon. <laughs> they use chicken oh, for bread. No. <laughs> oh, god. oh, um, Brandon is seen visiting with Widge and Gary. Now, now the scene itself is broken into two segments. It, it cuts between Brandon and Harry's. So I'm gonna just go with Brandon's section and then Harry's section. I'm Bob, and I have emotional issues, so I eat too much. <laughs> poor bob i feel bad for bob bob needs some therapy i'm just a little creeper that hides in a a corner and eat all the time finding out everything about you is that you or bob (laughs) that's bob that's my okay just making sure just making sure brandon visits widge and gary um and we find out in the conversation here that uh brandon's gained a pretty good measure of influence as a millennium star sweeper and that influence has allowed him to gives an upgrade essentially to Widge and Gary's position. They get a better office, they get a larger staff. And can I just point out that the one staff member we see does not look like somebody who who would feel comfortable roughing up somebody for money. Well, they may they may literally be staff. Yeah, they might literally just be taking phone calls. Okay, fair enough. I just I look at him like you don't look like a good loan shark. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, which comments that that um, with the more staff means that he has more time to spend with his mother or to carry out his clandestine affair with Gary. But, mm-hmm. you know, he never speaks yeah. about that. No, and, we don't talk about that in public. Yeah, but but which does warn Brandon not to move too quickly as it could become riskier for Brandon. Around the same time, um, this is interspersed with Harry meeting out with Bob, who informs him uh, that a small time gang called the Gasha Gang, um, has taken a contract out on Harry, Brandon, Bob, and Lee. You think their tactic, their trademark tactic, is to cut people's faces up and they're like, Gasha knows. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that, that the Gasha group has... Your uh, nose. That they've accepted a contract to take out Harry, Brandon, Bob, and Lee, citing it as likely uh, the doings of a le- legitimate corporation called Ferguson company that Harry ended up screwing over recently. So Harry's going through the dossiers of the Gasha Gang's members and finds Boongies, which makes him very, very excited. A couple things I wanted to point out here. First off, did you see the can of soda on uh, Bob's uh, desk? No, I did not. The soda can, it reads, let's fat, let's L-E-T apostrophe S <laughs> fat. <laughs> Cora, C-O-R-A, 40% up. What does that even mean? What does that even mean? What, what does let's fat Cora 40% up even mean? You got to back it up. You got to get check, check it out. I, I had paused it while I was writing up my, my, while I was doing my write-up today. And I see the, cu- and I'm like, oh God, I have got to point that out. That's fucking weird. It is hilarious. But the other thing I want to point out is Bungie's dossier. I actually sat down and wrote this uh, as best as I can. Uh, Bob's writing is, This man appears to be in his 15 years old and has the characteristic skin. He has fair yellow skin, dark black hair. His face is not as close to being clean shaven. And he has brown eyes beneath dark brown and slightly tight set uh, to his cheeks and mouth. Overall, he appears to have rough Asian. I think it's it's like A I or A G G S E N. 
look to him. I think they're trying to say Asian. I don't know. Look to him. He is slightly taller than average, but not appreciably more muscular, though he looks to be in good shape and fairly lean. His shoulders are somewhat broader, broader than average, and his limbs are not particularly thick. His forearms, wrists, and hands are noticeably muscular. He seems to exude an air of per- cold professionalism. Those are Sounds really like bad information. <laughs> uh, like, taller than average. Like, give us a, a number there, Bob. Master technician guy. He's so good at finding intel. Yeah. He's like, I don't know, he's kind of tall. <laughs> he's as tall as 17 KFC buckets. Also, there's no way that <laughs> motherfucker's 15 years old. Right, no. right. I'm wondering if it, and it was kind of hard to read. I don't know if they were trying to say 15 or 19. I could see 19 because he's supposed Maybe. to be of an age for Brandon and Harry. And right now they're in the, like their early middle. Still not how I took it, but I, there's no way he's 15. Right. Right. I agree. But, uh, yeah, that was on the dossier. As I said, um, and I sent you guys the link or the picture a couple days ago. And I just, I, it's at once funny, but also very confusing. Partially because yeah. it's English, uh, but it's not the worst English that I've seen. <laughs> no, it's really not that bad. It's really not that he's, bad. It's he's not just like, fifteen uh... in metric years. <laughs> nice, I like that. Fifteen in metric years. If you ask me, that's a title right there. It's it's not like that Sailor Moon episode where Sailor Mercury prints something out from the internet and in English, and it ends up being the RoboCop. Uh, what is that? The RoboCop like. Script code trick. or script, whatever this his like whole thing is like protect and serve <laughs> blah, 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 or whatever. It oh, is. really? His programming? yeah, yeah. His program- yes, his programming. His programming <laughs> thing. And I'm just like, what are you planning, Ami? What are you planning? <laughs> right, right. Well, much later we find that Boonch is about to uh, take his hit on Harry, posing as a window washer. He shoots into Harry's office and busts through the window. As uh, Harry pretty much saw this coming, he's pretty much found. Applauding Boonji standing in a corner. He's gushing over Boonji. He's like, Oh yeah, you're 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 fast as grease lightning and this, that, and the other thing. Goes and pours himself a drink and just outright says, I want you to join us. I love this power move. This is such a power move. Oh yeah. This yeah. is this is gutsy as fuck. Right, right. Now I Boonji is like, he's taken aback though. He's like, um Well that yeah. One, that flipping sides, that's not gonna be honorable. But Harry's like um, are you sure that Gasha is being as honorable as you think? They broke away from Volcano, and they were hired by this corporation to uh, take me out. So do you really think that that's really a, um, this is the really the honorable group you want to subcontract for? Is it just me, or does this whole actual story of, like, the betrayal and, like, these different gangs, like, none of it, like, actually really matter or stick or hold, like, in your brain at all? Because, like, you're, you're mentioning all that, and I'm like, I know that that happened, but, like, I don't care. Like, it's just like they, they really drew, drew this out just to introduce this bungee guy. Yep, that's all it is. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. just making sure I wasn't yeah, alone right. in that, because I really did no, not I, connect with any of this. No, no, that's fine. So... Meanwhile, Brandon's out executing a hit uh, with Bear, actually, who begins questioning Brandon as to why he takes on the job, the jobs first. Uh, to which Brandon replies that uh, he and Bear pretty much have the same reasons for becoming the, uh, becoming sweepers. We're also, though, while uh, explaining the Bear, we're treated to that wonderful memory of Brandon killing the worst assassin ever. Mm-hmm. Complete with Big Daddy! <laughs> yeah, they definitely replayed it, and I love it. I was so excited. 
Brandon leaves and he's driving and gets a phone call from Bob, who's just panicking at this point, tells him about Harry's plans and where he's going to be. And he tells him that, you know, if he hasn't heard from him in two hours to call Brandon. So we get to uh, Bungi. He shows up at the Gasha's hideout and produces a dead Harry. So the gang decides that this is a good time to get rid of the loose end that's uh, Bungie and decides he's going to take him out with a bunch of gunners just trained on, on Bungie. And it's so funny because Bungie's like, oh, I thought you were being honorable. And he goes, oh, it's all about money. And Harry's like, fuck you, shoots him. <laughs> <laughs> I do like this this uh this scene. Right. It's it's pretty great. Like there's a huge gunfight and then Oh yeah. That's even guts that's even gutsier than yeah. be like, I'm gonna play a dead body in the car of the guy that you sent to kill me, and hopefully the people that hired you are shitheads that you want to turn on. Because if they're like, Hey, right, great job, right, man, here's right. an extra thousand for being prompt. You know, we'll keep you in mind for right. future jobs and Yeah, yeah. It, I mean it's, That could have gone so wrong. It is it is ballsy. Um, but yeah, the gunfight. Let's talk about that gunfight for a second. I mean, it's pretty, you know, it's Harry and, and Bungie taking on the Gasha gang. We're getting some pretty great trick shots from Bungie. I think he shoots the light out from a group of guys that were uh, hiding behind a pillar to flush him out. And he takes them both out. And like, and Harry's like, I want you more. And then mm-hmm. comes probably <laughs> the smartest thing that I've seen the Gasha gang do all episode. They bust out a freaking bulldozer and knock over Harry's car so that way they, they, they don't have a place to hide. I mean, if, if you got it and uh, you're in your home turf advantage. Yeah. Yeah, use it. Harry uh, Brandon shows up in the nick of time. We get the, the shootout continues, but now it's just Brandon and Bungie uh, taking out the the, kill, the gunners. Uh, all the while, Harry's hiding behind Brandon's car, smoking a cigarette, just going, mm, and he's calm. He's not, like, scared. He's just like, yep, all right, uh, it should be over in about a second. Um, they take out the killers and Brandon and Bungie meet and they, uh, they shake hands in the fashion that gun, that hitmen always do by holding a gun to each other's mm-hmm. heads. <laughs> I, I really like the dynamic, uh, between Bungie and Brandon. It plays out in the next episode a little bit too. Uh, it's, I agree. It's a little, it's a, it's a little like passe. It's a little overdone, right? But they're fun. Yeah. I think they're fun together. Oh yeah. Yeah. One of the things I also like that I see about Bungie that I like, Bungie gun, the magazines, have like an extra uh, barrel. No, not a barrel, drum. They have like a drum extension for more ammo. It's like, oh, that's great. And also I like um, Brandon's uh, quick reload straps uh, that he's got on his Those uh, exist his for some guns. Yeah. Those, those. Mm-hmm. The, they do? Okay, that's cool. More, op- that's more often you'll see like awesome. the magazines extended to where it's like longer. But but the, I've seen right. the drums. The drum style. Yeah, I believe those are the drums. Oh, okay. What a, That's neat. What about the quick reloads for that that Brandon uses on his uh, uh, shoulder holsters? I don't remember seeing those actually. That's kind of cool though. Yeah, I mean it's a neat visual. As uh, Brandon and and Bougie are shaking hands with their guns, uh, Harry's like, "No, no, no, he's with us, Brandon." And Bougie's like, "No, I didn't, I didn't say I was going to be with you yet." <laughs> he's like, "Stop playing hard to get, brother." Like if we could just double Hogan, brother. Over that, over that one moment there, that that would be awesome. I just, I just love the things like you know, don't play hard to get. You know, he's talking about <laughs> I want you more. Like, there's definitely almost like there's, like, there's like almost like a sexual. like there's almost like a, yeah, there's almost like a sexual attraction to like how how badass he is, and I, I'm here for it. I dig it. <laughs> no problem. So you know, uh, Bungie says, okay, fine, I'll join you, but you gotta only on the condition that you gotta fight me, 
and you gotta beat me. So of course, <laughs> this is so good. Harry, it's like, Harry oh, okay. Up. He's like, he's, he's like, huh, huh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's like, just like, he's, he's, waving he's his fist. juking and jiving. Um, <laughs> this obviously, so Harry knows that Brandon's gonna step in because oh, yeah, yeah, Brandon steps in, but he plays it. He plays it straight. He goes, oh. Brandon, you want to do this? Okay. If Brandon <laughs> beats you, you he's going to be your boss. <laughs> and Brandon does that badass, like, there's a cool camera shot where he does, like, the finger come here thing. Yeah. Like, the and, wiggle. Like and the rock. Wind up for, and, like and the they, rock. Yeah. And they wind up to throw their punches and we cut out and it makes me think of the ending scene in Rocky Three. Yes. Like, you, you can almost just, you know, pause it and you just hear, it's the... I of the tiger, you know, going yeah, on. No, it's, yeah, it's it's a yeah, it, perfect parallel. That is parallel. so Rocky Three right there. Ah, oh, love it. So later, Bungie arrives at Ferguson and scolds the guy who hired the Gasha gang, giving him a uh, a lesson in proper managerial practices before busting a cap in his head. Mm -hmm. So uh, Bungie X uh, ends up asking uh, Harry if he uh, if he's going to get paid extra for being under uh, Harry, and Harry yeah. goes, "Yeah, so much you'll get sick of it." He's going to get paid more for being under Harry. Yes, that's what, that's what it is. This is also interspersed again with uh, Brandon fishing with uh, Big Daddy. Big Daddy asks Brandon about the shiner that's on his cheek there, to which Brandon's like, nope, not going to talk about it. And then Big Daddy's like, you're all thumbs today. Something going on? Nope, not going to talk about it. And he's like, oh, okay. Fade to white. That's the end of the episode. That's it. That's episode seven of Gungrave, five years later. Josh, tell me, uh, tell us what you think about this episode overall. It's okay. Um, it's it's definitely not um, as great as some of the previous episodes that we've seen. More or less, this is just to introduce Bungie, kind of give us the idea that Brandon is 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 rising as as a hitman, as the sweeper. Mostly, it's about Harry getting Bungie on on his side. Everything else is just kind of window dressing. I mean, there's some great uh, smaller moments like the 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 conversation between uh, Harry, uh, Brandon and and uh, Maria, uh, even the interaction between Harry and Randy. Shut the fuck up. There's definitely a great moment there, just showing you know what Harry's good at, and and a bit of Bob focus too. There's a bit more Bob in this episode than we've seen so, which I really enjoyed as well. But overall, I mean, the sum of its parts don't add up to a greater whole feels like that there was a lot of vignettes in this episode which is fine you don't you don't always need to have each episode be like the end all be all this is this is why this is a great uh story this is just great character building world building good stuff yeah i agree i think this episode of the two that we're going to talk about today is the weaker of the two i think it's not a good episode not a not i, mean, I don't say a not a good episode it's definitely not as you mentioned as good as the others that we've we've looked at and we've talked about uh I, again i feel like they just kind of had to shoehorn some like bullshit plot together in order to introduce a character that's going to be important as the story progresses. Uh, and I feel like they could have maybe done that eh, somehow alongside of a, of a more coherent or important plot. But yeah, I, I, overall, not a terrible episode, but definitely not going to make my top five anytime soon. It's one of those things that if this had been a, not been a video game first, but a manga, I would have been like, maybe, uh, maybe this was more important in there and this is just a nod. But obviously it's not, so yeah. It's fine. All right. That's episode seven, but before we get into episode eight, I think it's about time we take a little pause. And Break card! What he said.
Thanks for joining me here in the break card. It's Andy, and you're listening to another episode of Tuning Japanese, the podcast where we're reviewing Gungrave, another twofer for you this week. I hope you are enjoying it. I hope you are getting in the holiday spirit as we are heading into December now, 2020, almost completely behind us. Let's hope 2021 is a little bit better. You know what would be a great way to start off the year? Helping to support one of your favorite podcasts. And if we're one of your favorite podcasts, you can support us in a number of ways, like giving us a follow on our social media, heading over to facebook.com slash tuningjapanese to find all of our latest updates and links to releases, or over on our Twitter, at tuningjapanese. That uh, is a great place, again, to find our updates, and sometimes we retweet some cool stuff as well, so go check us out there. And you can check us out at tuningjapanese.com, where we post every new episode, where you can go back and find all the ones from all the way back in Season 1, from like 2016, when we started this podcast. So you can go check out all those past reviews and help support us by going and visiting those locations. If you want to help support us in a monetary way, you can head to patreon.com slash tuningjapanese, where you can get bonus content, extra stuff, whether it's physical, it's episodes, videos. We've got tons of stuff up there, and we hope that if you do like the show and want to help us out, uh, you can support us in that way as well. But the number one way you can support us is by telling your friends about our show and, you know, passing along that they need to check out our review of Trigun or our review of The Record of Lotus War or Gurren Lagan or this season with Gungrave. And hopefully they can find that maybe uh, they need to go back and watch an anime like this and enjoy it along with us. Got to get back to this episode editing. We will see you on the other side. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Back from the break card, and uh, it's time to move into our second episode of this two-parter, which is episode eight, entitled Family. Family. Aww. I'm sure this is a very a, sweet episode. This oh, is yeah. a sweet, this is yeah, a sweet gonna, and heartfelt episode. <laughs> it, you know what? It's got everything. It's got warm and warm fuzzies. It's got best friends. It's got an adorable little girl. I mean, yeah, nothing terrible is going to happen here. Nope, not at all. Hey, we get a theme song. <laughs> Followed by a scene where two men in trench coats are exchanging money and then they're immediately gunned down by a heavy breathing dude. More on that. A little bit later in the episode. Well, you gotta expect heavy breathing when you a couple of guys in church goes trading money. That is true. Don't you hate it when your clandestine meeting gets interrupted by a maniac with a gun? Yeah. Like I said, more on that in just a bit. In a minute. So we go to Millennium and Big Daddy's house where he's holding some sort of giant celebration or banquet or, or outdoor party. And apparently all the members of the family are there. With and, their families. Right. So it's, I'm a, it's at, a family reunion. Duh. It's it's really, <laughs> yeah, it is. And it's weird to me because, like, this organization, obviously, they, they refer to it as a family throughout. But, like, I wasn't expecting, like, here are all these mobsters and the mobsters' families just kind of chilling and having a party. It was a little, I don't know, it was a little too calm. It was a little unsettling to me. <laughs> I liked it though. It goes goes to show once again, and and something that we'll probably see juxtaposed in the later series that this is this is Big Daddy's millennium, right? Now, yes. Right? Oh, totally. Yes. So we're seeing the values that Big Daddy holds: the community, the family, 
Yeah. We are, we are. Potato salad. Yeah. Potato (laughs) salad. Macaroni salad. Kind of, kind of showing you the steaks that they are working for as well with, with the the kids and and the significant (laughs) others. Yes. I'm sure they're on the grill. That, that's a good organization to be part of then because that is a great organization to be part of. All I ever get is hot dogs and shit. (laughs) (laughs) I get to wear jeans Monday. That's about it. Hey, Big Daddy shows up and he's got two very special guests with him. He is here to introduce the two newest members of the Millennium family, and I bet you can't guess who it is. Bob and Lee. Bob and Lee? Or just Bob? No. <laughs> just Bob. Just, just Bob. No, just Bob, <laughs> Bob and Bob. Bob is, is, is large enough for two members, Bo- yeah. Bob and Bob's big fat ass. <laughs> <laughs> no, nope. no, no. Bob and his big bucket of chicken. Yes, oh, the bucket of chicken should be a family member. Hey, no, it's actually <laughs> it's actually Harry and Brandon. It's actually Harry and Brandon. Uh, they are the newest members of the family, and we get... Damn it, Bob again, and the Colonel! Damn it! Bob and the Colonel. Uh, we get Brandon another monologue, as you might expect by this point. Uh, he talks about how the family is made up of upper-level execs and those chosen by Big Daddy, and they're all held together by the Code of Iron. So... Is this, I just had a thought, is this the opposite of dead men tell no tales? Live men tell a bunch of tales? No, he's a dead man <laughs> telling us a tale. It's true. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Hey, I, guys. I think we felt that hard about it. Yeah, it just popped in my head, honestly. Hey, guys. What? Yes. There's one promise that everyone in the family has to make. Yeah. Never betray the family. It's and the... he pauses and he says, never betray the family the code of iron baby yeah um big daddy gets the last slice of pizza yes big that's the ultimate rule last slice of pizza goes Goes to big big daddy Daddy. same with the last beer yes hey title card and we go Ah. back to the party Mm -hmm. where um they just kind of go around hobnobbing a bit and uh at this point bear shows up and this is where we meet his daughter sherry and shit gets creepy yeah, she's got a crush on Harry, and at first I'm looking at that, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I mean, this is just a childish little crush. She's like, I don't know, probably like 13, maybe the way that she looks, uh, and then they go off to get, like, a drink or some food, and then Bear looks at Brandon and says, if Harry messes with his daughter, he's a dead man. Yeah! And I'm like, I sure hope so. She's not, she cannot be of legal consenting age. She's not, she's not of legal age yet. She's, she's at that's a, the that's most. That's illegal. And she's like... <laughs> 10 <laughs> she's 10 years younger than harry at the most you know, oh, she, she, you know i don't think it's well at the most i suppose yeah, at the most, or at yeah, the, least, the most I should maybe. Say, least i should say i mean no, I'm no, i wouldn't least. say least no no that's she's like 13 maybe 14 yeah i think it's probably five and harry and and harry's what 22 23 at this point i i don't know i mean if bougie's 15 who the fuck knows <laughs> age is completely I think, irrelevant. I think we point. can actually find a way of tracking their ages. Um, and I think the Rosetta Stone is Brandon's, um, uh, because uh, they, they mentioned, uh, different time frames. Uh, you know, you know, last episode was five years later. Uh, when, uh, the Millennium episode, we, th- we found out that was, uh, three months after, um, the funerals. So they do kind of explain everything time wise. But I think, honestly, the best key is when we get to, Brandon's tombstone in a few episodes. I think that's our Rosetta Stone. Sorry, sorry. She's, she's introduced at uh, 12. So okay. this is her first introduction. She's 12. Okay. okay. 
So I was about to say the best indicator would be Mr. Internet as I'm watching Bill Google. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, no, that, well, that's the other thing too. They they said that she was five at the time. No, and no, he's, seven. And he's seven. Yeah, so I'd make her twelve. Yes, yeah. So and he was eighteen as the leader of the gang and twenty three post first time skip. This is the first time skip, isn't it? Yes, yes, that is correct. Okay, are you sure? So there we go. Yeah, I think so. Well. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Because yeah, 15, yeah, that, fifteen to twenty-three. So yes, you're right, Josh. It was it's eleven years difference. That's, okay. that's worse. That's very bad. That's that's much worse. <laughs> when you're looking bad. when you're looking at the context of underage, but then once you get to I don't know the twenties, you know. Yeah, by the end, when it? it's at the end, right, at, right. By the end of the series, he is thirty-nine, and she is twenty-eight. But then there's a whole discussion of like grooming, and it's just it's it's just no no bueno, yeah, it's, no bueno. It's, ooh, ooh. Speak. Let's go back to Bear. So Bear and a guy at the party uh, are sitting down and talking about Big Daddy not having children and who's going to take over. Uh, this guy is Sid, uh, by the way. I cannot remember his last name to save my life here. Thank you, Sid Gallarde. Uh So they're having a little chat. Vicious and uh, yeah, vicious, right? Bear is asked by Sid. What about you? What if you took over Millennium when Big Daddy wasn't able to do so anymore? And Bear's like, nah, nah, nah. That's not for me. Um, I kill people. That's my thing. Yeah, exactly. And I think he, he would want to settle down. Like, he's, unlike Big Daddy, who doesn't have children, right? Like, he, he's built this family. Bear has a child. Bear has... Sherry. You know, a, a, yeah, Sherry. Bear has a life to live after this, so... Just kind of keep that. I mean, I think that's probably one of the reasons why he's like, no, absolutely not. Someone comes in to, and whispers something to Bear and says that there was a robbery in his territory. So Bear has to go deal with things to make sure Millennium doesn't lose face. Remember when I said, don't forget that opening scene? It's all going to start to get interwoven about here. We cut to Harry, who's chilling with Bob and Lee. And they're kind of all upset because they're like, hey, Harry, when are you going to get us into the family? And he's like, yeah, 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 don't worry. I just got into it myself here. Slow down, Bob. Yeah, give me give me a second. And hey, do me a solid. Uh, look up information on every member of Big Daddy's family because yeah. uh, I for sure am never going to use that in any way to betray the family in any way, shape, or form in order to make openings for you guys. Or, you know, just in general, extort um, and have all the ammunition I need to, to screw over these people in the future. I mean, to keep them under my thumb. I mean... Harry's yeah, a dick. Oh yeah, no. This, Harry this is, is a where dick. we. This is where we start to see Harry's true nature. That he really doesn't care a whole lot. Like I think he he legitimately cares about. Obviously cares about Brandon, and I think he does legitimately care about Lee and and Bob. They they're they're Bob and Lee are pretty much the replacements of uh, Kenny, Nate, and Jolis, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, basically. Yeah. And I guess even further, even Sherry could could even round out that 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 his twelve year old future wife. Don't say threesome. Right. <laughs> I don't say twelve year old threesome in the same sentence. Fair <laughs> That's enough. fair. Yeah. That's fair. Okay. Group. So that uh, that that scene kind of ends with Harry being kind of excited, like, "Yeah, all right, give me that information." Uh, and then we cut to Bungie, who is Bungie. like chilling. Whatever. He's Mungo. chilling. <laughs> Mungo. Did He's it, chilling. Did, auto, did your autocorrect uh, fill it in as Bungie instead? I, 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 have, I have no idea how it's spelled. I just spelled it B-U-N-J-I is how it's Nope, definitely didn't spell it that way at all on my notes. Uh, so I think I spelled it Bungie like bungee jumping. So, <laughs> so, 
<laughs> so Boonji is in a building, uh, staring through the scope of a sniper rifle at a building, mm-hmm. looking for someone. More on that in a little bit. As Brandon in about just kinda, 30 seconds. Yeah. Brandon just kind of casually rolls up with some McDonald's. Uh, <laughs> and then they just kind of chat a little bit. I love it because he's like, yeah, you're really quiet. And then Brandon's like, wait a minute. He's there. And Bougie's like, what? And he goes over, picks up the fucking rifle, fires one shot, then calmly walks past Bungie and goes, I'm going to go check out what happened. <laughs> and Bungie's like, he's a monster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yep, got him. This dude is dead in the building across the way. And it, it is, it is no a scope. great, di- but again, it's a good show of the, of the di- one, the dynamic between uh, Brandon and Bungie, but also the difference in skill between, yeah. yeah. like, like Bungie's good, but Brandon is, again, that savant at violence. Yes, he's very good at what he does. So they go over there, and they find the target that was killed. Uh, And apparently this was the guy that Bear was after, that uh, Bear got the call about. So Bear called in his two top guns to go out and take care of this guy. Or at least one of his top guns, and Brandon's just like, yeah, whatever, I'm going to take the shot. (laughs) So they return to Bear with the good news, and Sid is there as well. And uh, while they're chatting and drinking, he draws a gun on the two just to kind of test their skills. Right, right. Um, But he's very quickly outdrawn. Oh, God, yes. With, with, uh, out of doubt, he, he barely clears his holster, and they've already got their, their guns trained on him. He's just like, okay, okay. Just messing. Uh, the four then just commence eating, drinking, telling old stories. Sid tells a story about Big Daddy breaking up a fight between him and Bear. Uh, they carouse for a while. Uh, and then we just cut away to Bungie, uh, Bungie, rather, uh, <laughs> talking with Brandon in a car. Bungie mentioned he's an, he's an orphan. He doesn't know much about family, so he's not sure, like, he's like, is this how family usually act? Like, right. and Brandon's like, I don't know. <laughs> we're anime, we're anime protectors, man. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm an orphan too. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> All I got is Harry and Maria. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and uh, Big we get Daddy. More, and Big Daddy. <laughs> we get more Sid and Bear. Bear calls Sid out for being basically drunk, like a sloppy drunk. Yeah. And they kind of talk about young kids, right? They say like, man, I, he, he Sid's like, man, I really wish we were young. They have so much to look forward to. And Bear's the other side of it. He's like, yeah, but they also do stupid things. <laughs> yeah nudge nudge wink wink yeah there's more of that more of that bit. coming up in just a minute so speaking of young and stupid uh harry's on the phone sending apparent information on one of the members of the family to one of the higher ups uh again when you watch this for the first time all of it like none of it really seems connected like i really enjoy the way that this episode is paced and how, like, you get little bits of information, and it is all the same situation, but you don't really get it until, at least I didn't get it upon a rewatch until later in the episode. Like, it took a little bit to kind of see the the, the bits and pieces all connected together as one story. See, the one thing that, that um, surprised me was that um, that you just brought up about how Brandon and Bungie were taking, were taking out the guy, and I use air quotes, that had to do with the uh, the robbery. Yeah. That we know that we will know later. I get what Bear is trying to do here. Also, apparently Harry is going on a date with Sherry. Oh no. No, no. no. no Don't yeah. Like it. No. Don't like it. Not at all. 
Sherry, by the way, is voiced by friend of the show, Dorothy Fawn. Hey, Dorothy Fawn. Yeah. We talked to her uh, in our episodes of Trigon yeah, Josh. about, yeah. about her, her time on Trigon. Yeah. Yeah. You, you didn't I'm, recognize I'm glad, that? I'm glad I, I, I'm glad I found that information all independently without help from a third party named Billiam. <laughs> Hey, uh, then we get a random ass scene of Boonji and Brandon just like at a shooting range, like for whatever reason. Again, I think to show the disparity between their skills. Right, right. Boonji's Boonji's good, but Brandon's better. Yeah, there there's a call that comes in for Brandon, but then we cut to a drunken Sid who's like sitting by the ocean, like watching a boat go by, and he's drinking, and he's like all sad. And then we get a flashback to him barging in to where his son is at. His son is named Eddie, apparently, and he has a briefcase with a whole bunch of money with blood on it, very reminiscent of the scene that we saw at the very beginning of the episode. And apparently, Eddie's the one who set that that hit up. And he he's like, Dad, did it. he's like, Dad, aren't you proud? Like, see, I don't know if he did it. I th- I don't I don't think it was him. I think it was the guy no, that, that it, Harry and Harry and Bungie shot. No, because because I I was I was actually rewatching this as we were uh, discussing it. It's clearly Eddie. Then who's the guy they killed? That's the thing. That's the fall guy that Bear wanted uh, to okay, say. I get it now. Okay, I get it now. Okay, that makes sense. That makes Bear, a lot of sense. Because remember, Bear was when he was first told about it, he knew, and then you know uh... he knew that it was Eddie that did it. He was trying to protect Sid and Eddie by creating a scapegoat. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. See, even in, in discussing it, I still don't know the story fully. <laughs> like, this is good storytelling. This is good storytelling. I think right. it's done well. Right. So, Dad then just beats the shit out of Son because he acted without permission and basically says, like, dude, you killed one of Bear's men. This is fucking bad. And Eddie starts begging for his life and we cut back to, to Sid by the ocean. Another unintentionally funny thing is Eddie's like, holy shit, Uncle Bear? Like, <laughs> saying it like that, I was just, like, I giggled a little bit. I'm like, uh, I know it's not meant to be funny, but the fact that he's Uncle Bear yeah. to uh, to Sid's scumbag son, mm-hmm. that means something, too, but also just still makes me laugh. Uncle yeah. Bear? In an episode full of parallels, which is, again, another thing I like about the pacing of this episode, we keep, like, having transitions that connect from scene to scene. We then cut to another individual drinking heavily, and that's Big Daddy, who uh, has a conversation with Maria. Maria wanders in and finds him kind of getting drunk, and he talks about, you know, hey, sometimes we have to make tough choices in life, and even someone like me doesn't always know how to handle those choices. To which we get a really kind of touching scene where Maria refills his glass for him, and, you know, he kind of smiles kindly at her. Foreshadowing? Maybe. More creepiness? Maybe a little bit. More as we come, yeah. But, uh, this is, yeah, just some great moments all together, and even, I'm wondering if even Harry regrets what he's done. Because he even says, you know, when, when he's sitting there with his creepy moment with Sherry, he even she tells him, you know, how much uh, Sid yeah. means to to Bear, and he goes, "Oh crap." <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, it's like 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 two scenes for now, but yes, he he says like, "Yeah, it's like I kind of feel bad, right?" He's like, "Oh," because she's like, "Oh, Uncle Sid is the nicest person in the world," and he's like, "Fuck." Mm-hmm. 
What did I do? Uh, but every, yeah. every, everyone is taking these steps and that they don't want to take, right? But except for one, we're going to get there in yeah. a minute. Yeah. So Bear then strolls up to Sid. They share a smoke together in a really slightly erotic and romantic way where they light cigarettes together, where like he leans in almost like he's going to kiss him, but instead like leans in and lights his cigarette with his cigarette. And I thought that was a little, a See, little much. I'm not like making it. that up. Right? Uh, there's a lot of that. In this I, no, there's a, there's a lot of that like intimacy. Well, I mean, you, you could, you could take it, um, you know, the route that you're obviously, you know, the ship route. Uh, if you want, uh, or you just take it that they're so close that they don't feel uncomfortable doing it like that. And it's like a, sh- a show of you mean something to me. Respect. Love. I could s- non-romantic in, in a in a better <laughs> anime, in a more thoughtful, like not based on a video game anime. I could absolutely think that that was intentionally or not just anime, just anything. I could see that that was intentionally provoked to show the closeness of the family. Mm-hmm. And. I think in this case, it just was kind of unfortunate that they they didn't think about the way they were portraying things, or or they yeah, were I mean, maybe they were just going I, I, for the, the 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 ship route. I don't know. I see it. I see it more. I mean, really, honestly, I do see it as like the closest of family. But it was it that scene was a little creepy. Like, I mean, there was. was I wouldn't even say creepy necessarily. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. So for some reason, uh, the thought of two old men loving each other is creepy. No, to you? no, come on, man. You know aren't I mean. you a hypocrite? No, okay, I wouldn't necessarily call it no, that's, creepy. That's not, it's not what I meant. But, there, by but that. it's there. I mean, it's. It, it was su- it was sudden. It did, it felt okay. Jarring. I get that. It I felt get that. And it felt out of place. Maybe yeah. is a better way to phrase that. Probably definitely not. Creepy, probably in an attempt you know I mean. of visual storytelling of once again yes. trying to show but not tell, but maybe missing the mark. Is, is yeah, the yeah. But I get look at it because I fully got even when I was younger, fully got what it was trying to trying to show. You know that these guys are so close. You know that they're, mm-hmm. they're they're like brothers. They love each other platonically. That's sort of but thing. there is kind of a. Uh... A vibe. We, we talked about it with Harry and Brandon, with uh, Baron Sid, with uh, Bob and Lee. You mean Widget? Yeah, Bob with and Ga- uh, Widget and Gary. Yeah, Widget and Gary. Widget Wid- and Gary, yeah. I don't think is even a vibe. I, I, I still legit think that's real. There, there is, there is some, some yaoi overtones. Yes, I'm not, I'm not going to deny. Yeah, I don't that. know, the, I don't know the verbiage. So, okay, fine. Yeah, I, I, I just, I'm curious if that's intentional or if that's just. If if it's intentional, intentional, or if it's subtext intentional, or if it's just the way they the way they did it. Well, they then wax, you know, <laughs> they wax what? about the they wax <laughs> wax their bikini areas together. Uh, no, they 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 talk about it with a complete nostalgic tone about the old days. Then we get the scene with Harry and Sherry. Uh, we go back to to Bear and Sid again. We get a flashback of Sid telling Eddie to get the fuck out of town. You need to leave. If I see you again, I will kill you. Um, essentially, he he does everything he can to protect his son, which is extremely admirable. But also at the same time, he knows what's going to happen to him if it oh, yeah. gets out. He's taking the bullet for for absolutely his son. yes because. That's what a good parent does, even when you have a crappy son. Right. And that's what Harry has precipitated here, right? By making the call and saying, like, hey, you need to deal with this guy. Yeah, he let he let this he let this happen. What do you what do you think else he's gonna slip up on? Yeah. Harry's such a fucking asshole. Oh yeah. But at least but at least at this juncture he has he has at least shown some remorse for it. Yeah, I agree. There's remorse of like, I wish that didn't happen, and there's remorse like, oh God, what have I done? I don't think it's the second one. I, I don't think he's gonna have any trouble sleeping. No, no, I think he's I, just like, oopsie doodle. Yeah, I think it's more he he's regretted. He okay. Here's my here's my take. 
his regret is more along the lines of, of he lost a possible asset in Sid. He wouldn't have minded if Sid's son got executed, but that it's Sid himself. He regrets the fact that he took out a guy that probably could have benefited him in the long run, not to mention possibly made an enemy out of and Barry. Sherry. Yeah, yes, absolutely. And Sherry. I think that's probably true. I think it's more of a personal regret than a... Which goes to show you the 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 level of calculation Harry has and just how heartless he pretty much is. Um, but Someone with a heart is Bear, who takes out his gun, aims it at Sid, but just can't pull the trigger. He just can't do it. You know, despite everything he can't. Um, but you know who can? That's Brandon. <laughs> that's what he oh, does. Yeah. He just strolls up, gun in hand, puts it to Sid's head. Sid cries, calls out his son's name, and uh, Brandon blows his brains out, bows to Bear, and strolls off. Brandon taking the shot, I see it as he is probably doing the kindest thing of anyone in this whole situation. He knows that Sid matters to Bear and that Bear could never do it himself, but he also is upholding the code of iron, no matter what. You know, he, he, he's at once saying, look, you can't do this. I'll do this for you. I'm not going to let him go, though, because he has to die. I think Bear would have eventually got to got there. I don't think he would have. I think he would have. I think he just didn't want. He didn't want to. He didn't like it. But I think he would have eventually got there. No, I, I okay, don't think he would okay. have. I have. I have a simple question for you, Bill. Could you do that to Andy? No. Same oh, situation. God. Please don't answer no. that question. Oh God. <laughs> but I'm also. No, I'm also not go. a hardened just, killer just... who has countless. Who we both have countless bodies counts on our hands. See, I disagree, though. I don't think he was going to. I, I, I don't think he could have. I think he would have allowed him somehow to get away. Um, I, what I like about the scene is that it's like paying it forward to what we saw in several episodes back where, um, not Gary, what's the other guy's name? Widge. Widge, yeah, where Widge uh, takes it upon himself to do the job, right, right? To, right. to shoot and kill the guy. To uh, to, to save Brandon and, and yes. Gary. The, yeah, uh, from having to do that. And I think it is another visual sort of like, like like parallel to show how where Brandon is now that like now Brandon is the person who's who's doing that for other people as well like he's grown into this role as a killer to the point where he knows sometimes you just have to do a job and I don't think there's any way to at least say that he 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 likes Bear enough and maybe even he's repaying the debt that Bear that that he had accrued to Bear for saving his life so many years ago yeah yeah this would kill you to do it so I'm going to save your life. We end with some dramatic shots of Big Daddy, of Harry and Sherry, uh, of Bear holding Sid. Crying, even. Oh, yeah. Big time. Brandon returns to Boonji, who says all he can say is the coat of iron. And uh, Brandon says he wants to see her, but he's no longer worthy. I assume talking about Maria. Of yeah. course he is. Mm-hmm. What, what, what else does he talk about? Nope, that's fair. And we end credits. That's the end of episode eight. So what you think, Andy? Oh, good episode. Like, so much better than episode seven. Uh, yeah. This is one of those ones where, again, the storytelling is so good and the narrative choices and, you know, unlike the story of, like, this gang, random gang with Boongie, like, this story felt like it mattered. And it's a parallel to the things we've seen in the past. It's a way to show character growth, the growth of someone like Brandon versus the growth of someone like Harry. It is definitely, I think, hinting very heavily that, like, 
you know, if, you know, Bear and Sid have this relationship that maybe there's going to be another sort of relationship like that involving maybe the more major characters in the story where something similar is going to happen. There's a lot of that sort of like Harry climbing the ladder and showing like his willingness to do whatever it takes. I, I love it. This is a good, this is a really good episode. I very, very, very much enjoyed it. I, I tend to agree. I think it was uh, well-written, well-paced, very character-heavy. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree. This is this is top ten easily, maybe top five material. We'll have to see once once we do the the end of the season. But yeah, this this really hits the marks of of once again a great example of what what good this series actually has. Excellent storytelling, excellent character progression, focus on on Bear. Really, this is this is a Bear story when you think about it, and it's seen through the eyes of Harry and Brandon. You know, more than because we don't get the whole 100% focus on Bear. We get, you know, we get a good insight on Bear from the outside, which really I think that's great because instead of making him the central piece of the episode, he's still the main character of the episode. Right. Right. Exactly. And, and we see some great, you know, we see some stuff that will resonate back um, later in the series, uh, especially when it comes to Bear. This incident will be uh, brought up further down in the series. I look forward to, to bringing that discussion up once we get there. But yeah, this, this is a great episode. I don't think there's much more I can add than uh, what I just said to what you guys already said. And yeah, I think that's about sums that up. And we're moving on next time to episode nine, which is titled Dispute. But that's next time. We got to get out of here. So, Bill, whenever you're ready, sir, let's send us away. This has been Tuning Japanese, a podcast where three dudes in their 30s talk about anime. And if I'm going to die, I might as well feel a little better. Right? I'm Bill. I'd like to be doing something more interesting than filing documents all day. But as soon as I'm done with this, that's all I'm basically going to be doing. My name is Andy. I know. And I'm all thumbs today. I mean, yeah, I don't have much else I can elaborate on. I'm Josh. And I guess we'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye. Does that make us leader of thumb? Thanks for listening to Tuning Japanese. For more information, visit our website, tuningjapanese.com, like our Facebook at facebook.com slash tuningjapanese, and follow our Twitter at tuningjapanese. You can also get a hold of the show by sending us an email at tuningjapanese at gmail.com. Check out our YouTube channel and our new series, Tuning RPG, by searching for Tuning Japanese or Tuning RPG on youtube.com. Please help support the show by going to iTunes and leaving a five-star rating and review. You can also go to patreon.com slash tuningjapanese to get all kinds of bonus content and help support the show monetarily. Seriously, be like these great patrons. Superfan Matt, Brian Nash, and Cameron Bear. Excuse me, Father. I haven't been introduced yet. Yes, dear, you're right. Let me introduce you. This is my daughter. How do you do? My name's Sherry Walken. Well, hello there. I'm a new member of the family. I'm Harry McDowell. I'm Brandon Heat. Something wrong? Oh, well, um, there are some...
some delicious-looking desserts on that table over there. If you'd like, we could taste them together. <sighs> I'd love to. <sighs> Looks like your partner's a real ladies' man. Let Harry know that if he fools with my daughter in any way whatsoever, I'll kill him, understand? I'll tell him, sir. <laughs>